Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. It's about 2.30 in the afternoon on the East Coast of the United States. Our guest today really needs no introduction. He is the favorite, the absolute favorite of the uh, Judging Freedom audience, former Marine Corps major, I guess still in the Marine, once a Marine, always a Marine, I know that, (laughs) Uh, former UN uh, weapons inspector, iconoclast, never fearing to shake his fist in the government's face, Scott Ritter. Scott, a pleasure as always. Uh, welcome back to Judging Freedom. So thank you, recently, sir. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Recently, uh, either provoked by the CIA's propaganda people or because some media people had nothing better to do, the media has been, I think, led by the New York Times on this, on a bit of a campaign um, to promote the idea that Russia is in trouble in Ukraine. And to that, they point to President Putin apparently ordering his staff to come up with another 125,000 troops and there being some debate about whether they're going to pay these people to to enlist or whether it's going to be uh, a draft. And then out of the blue came this from General David Petraeus two days ago on CNN. It's going to be very tough. It depends, obviously, on how really difficult this winter is. In the southern area, it may not be as difficult uh, as certainly it is in the north and the northeast. I think the fighting will continue, however. And the Ukrainians, of course, are also showing something here that is crucially important. And that is that they are generating forces. They're recruiting, training, equipping, organizing, and then employing additional Ukrainian forces much more effectively and efficiently and impressively than are the Russians. As the ambassador mentioned, the Russians are struggling just to find replacements, much less to find organized, equipped, and trained units. Scott, what do you say about that? Well, let's start off with something that you you uh, touched on uh, before um, General Petraeus spoke, and that is the notion that uh, Putin has uh, enacted some sort of emergency legislation to uh, to increase the size of the Russian army by one hundred and thirty five thousand contracted soldiers, and this is being done obviously to replace the casualties uh, that that are taking place in Ukraine today. Um, <laughs> Actually, the, 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 this was uh, a law was passed back in 2018, 2019 uh, in Russia uh, that, that set this as a target. So, so the Russians enacted this before the Ukraine conflict. And all Putin is doing is he's been told we are now in a position to act on this. We, we have the money. We have the resources. We have that which is necessary. So Putin is saying, OK, act on it. It's totally, this would be happening even if there wasn't a conflict 
in Ukraine. So anybody who latches onto this as a sign of weakness on the part of Russia simply doesn't know what they're talking about. Now, getting to General Petraeus. Um, look, let's, let's be clear. The Ukrainians have far more manpower than Russia does, uh, you know, as applied to this, uh, this campaign. Russia continues to operate uh, in and around 200, 210,000 troops. Uh, the Ukrainians uh, are operating at around 500, 600, 700,000 troops, many of whom are untrained uh, reservists, but they still have a large number of troops. So when he says that they've shown an impressive ability to regenerate forces, um, it's not that impressive. It's part and parcel of reality. It's one thing to assemble forces. It's another thing to assemble well-trained forces. Right now, there's a counteroffensive ongoing in uh, southern uh, Ukraine in the Kherson region. Um, Ukrainians have been able to uh, bring in uh, about a dozen battalions of uh, armored and mechanized infantry. Um, that's that's impressive. I mean, you know, they, they but we know they've been doing this. We know that they've been sending poorly trained territorial forces to the trenches to hold the lines while they pull back their more experienced troops to rearm, re-equip, uh, and, and, and retrain if necessary, because you have to bring in new forces to, to train them up. Um, but now they've unleashed them in a counteroffensive that has failed. Now, even in the area, there, there was one area where the Ukrainians achieved a significant breach of the Russian lines. Um, and, and penetrated to a depth of about six kilometers. But the thing about a counterattack is it only succeeds if you're able to follow up the initial penetration with exploitation forces of sufficient quantity and qual- quality uh, to, to continue uh, the momentum. Ukrainians aren't doing that. As a result, everybody who is committed to this fight will die. That's a guarantee. They're in the process of being cut off, surrounded, annihilated by the Russians as we speak. Um, if I were Petraeus, I would have said two things. One, I continue to be impressed with the tenacity of the Ukrainian armed forces. Their ability to uh, sustain a combative approach uh, under uh, extraordinarily difficult circumstances is impressive, and it's a testament to their ability as fighting men. And then I would say I am dismayed at the willingness of the Ukrainian high command to squander these precious resources so, you know, fruitlessly to build up these reserves. You know what these reserves would have been very useful for? Slowing down the rate of the Russian advance. Imagine if I was a Ukrainian general and the Russians achieve a penetration at a, at a point that I can now throw in two battalions in an immediate counterattack. Right, so so our, our professional, lifelong military people making the major strategic decisions for the Ukraine military, or as President Zelensky stated differently, is he looking for PR on CNN and, and the New York Times and the Washington Post as opposed to a, a slow, methodical, and steady wearing away uh, of the uh, Russians' capability to hold Ukraine territory. Yeah, this 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 counterattack is one hundred percent politically driven. There's no military value to that's being achieved from this. It seems to be timed uh, to coincide with 
a visit by the International Atomic Energy Agency to the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. And I think the goal was to project uh, the image of Ukrainian strength so that the world would rally behind this emboldened Ukraine and, um, and try and get an international peacekeeping force inserted in the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. I think the exact opposite message is being sent because right now the hospitals in Nikolaev are, are filled with thousands, thousands of wounded Ukrainian soldiers who fell on this most recent battle. All right. Tell us what is uh, happening on the ground uh, in the areas uh, where Russia says it liberated. So are they speaking Russian? Uh, are they using rubles? Are local mayors and members of the local governing board, whatever they call it, uh, aligned with uh, Moscow as opposed to Kiev? Is there sort of a Russianization going on, even though many of these people are Russians to begin with? Yeah, I think people need to understand, first and foremost, that the lingua franca, so to speak, in these occupied areas, even before Russia uh, occupied them, was Russian. Um, you know, the, 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 the proof of the pudding in that one is all these Ukrainian refugees that have been, uh, f- you know, flowing into Poland. Poland has now opened up schools to, uh, to teach, to provide education for the children of these refugees. The language that's being used to instruct at these schools for these Ukrainian refugees, Russian because nobody speaks Ukrainian, not from the East. Uh, they speak Russian, plain and simple. So when people, you know, Russification, um, the Ukrainian government has abandoned these people. They've cut off all pensions. They've cut off all salaries. They've cut off all energy. They've abandoned these territories. So the Russians have stepped in and they've introduced the ruble and said, we will pay your salaries. Imagine that. They occupy a territory and they tell the people, we'll pay your salaries. If you're a pensioner, We'll pay your pension. We're going to pay it in rubles because we're integrating you into the Russian economy, which is not rejecting you. The Russians are linking this area up with the Russian uh, electrical grid. So they're going to be getting power from Russia. If this area is now so aligned with Russia and has been utterly abandoned by Kiev, why isn't this the end point? Isn't this basically what Putin wants? Why doesn't um, uh, Zelensky go to Geneva and meet uh, Putin and, and Tony Blinken and come to some sort of an end of this. Well, because there's more territory that are populated by Russians. Uh, Zelensky blew it. He had a chance to have a negotiated settlement early on where he could have retained um, the majority of the territories uh, that are currently being occupied by Russia. Um, Russia right now has made it clear, um, although not a formal statement from the Russian government, uh, hinting uh, on the periphery, that it will no longer accept Ukrainian governance over territories populated by ethnic Russians or Russian-speaking Ukrainians, that um, Russia is going to take control of what they call Novaya Russia, all of the Russian-speaking, all the Russian-populated areas that stretch from Transnistria along Moldova all the way up to Kharkiv. This war will not end until all those territories are under absolute Russian control. Ukraine has lost the right to govern Russians. All right, we have, we're approaching Labor Day uh, weekend, the beginning of uh, September. We know in another two and a half or three months, it's going to be very cold there. Although if you listen to uh, General Petraeus, it's warmer in the south of Ukraine than in the north. Who knows why he said that? Whatever it is, it's going to be cold. Putin doesn't want to fight in the cold. 
What does he want to accomplish before winter arrives? And can he accomplish it? Um, anybody who says that Putin doesn't want to fight in the cold doesn't understand the Russian mentality. The Russians threw away the calendar a long time ago. There's no calendar involved in the Russian operation. This is a purely objective-driven campaign. Uh, it will end when all objectives have been achieved. There is no calendar here. And you know, the, one of the reasons why is that the Russians aren't under any pressures that are normally attached to a calendar. They have limitless ammunition. One of the reasons why the West wants to hurry things up is they're running out of munitions. They're running out of armaments. So they need to get this over because they can't sustain it. Russia can sustain this thing for as long as it takes. How, seri how serious is the depletion of American military hardware for American potential use? Well, let, let me put it, I, I can't confirm this, but I'm going to say something. I, I wouldn't normally say it, but I'm going to throw it out there just as an anecdotal uh, thing. I, there's multiple sources that indicate that some of the HIMARS systems that are being shipped to Ukraine are coming from uh, active duty Marine Corps stocks, which means that the Marine Artillery Regiment that would normally be equipped with HIMARS is now operating at a deficit because they were compelled to give up some of these systems uh, so they can be shipped to Ukraine. So right off the bat, we see a degradation in uh, Marine Corps combat power. There's uh, some of the M777 artillery pieces uh, apparently came from U.S. Army and Marine Corps artillery units. So we're stripping away artillery that would normally we'd be used be using in, in combat. But even as important or more importantly is the depletion of our ammunition reserves. We no longer have the capacity. And I'll just state this straight up. If we went to war against let's say China today, let's say Russia. No, no, let's let's say something different. Let's say Iran. Let's say we went to war against Iran today. We would run out of ammunition. And I have to tell you, as somebody who's been there and done that and got the T-shirt, running out of ammunition in combat is a bad thing. Wow. We no longer have the ammunition stockpiles necessary to sustain meaningful, large-scale ground combat anywhere in the world. And this is all because we've opted to strip away and go to Ukraine. Does the Secretary of Defense, who's a former four-star general, Lloyd Austin, does he understand what you just said? Is he going along with this? Are these... Decisions being made by uh, Tony Blinken and his cadre of nationalists in the State Department, or, or are the Pentagon people making serious judgment about what we need and what we can afford to give away? No, the, the, the issue of weapons is purely a Pentagon problem. Uh, these are assessments that, uh, that, that, that uh, Lloyd Austin is fully aware of. Um, I, I can guarantee you the point paper has been written about this. They take it up to the National Security Council, where Tony Blinken and Jake Sullivan weigh in and say that when they do their risk assessment, that uh, we risk more by not helping Ukraine than we do by uh, holding on to uh, these weapons. That it's better to give these weapons up now, uh, to stop Russia now, than it is to hold on to them and preserve America's ability to protect itself. Uh, and I disagree with them, but I, I, I don't think that there's people walking into this blind. I think people have made horrific errors in judgment that hopefully won't come back to haunt us because God help us if we go to war and a Marine regiment finds itself isolated and destroyed because they ran out of ammunition because it all went to Ukraine. If the Secretary of Defense were Mad Dog Mattis, former four-star Marine Corps general, what would he be doing? 
Uh, I, you know, I can't speak for Mattis, but I, I'd like to believe that he would uh, tell whoever wanted to do this to pound sand. That um, that's just not how it's going to happen. Uh, we have we have resources that are you know that that are earmarked for this kind of support, and if we've exhausted those resources, we do not tap into that which protects us. That it cannot be touched, but it is apparently it's being drained as we speak. I want to uh, put another uh, so full screen up from another general who, uh, a three-star, retired, who agrees with General uh, Petraeus. This is General Mark Hurtling. I'm going to read this. If President Zelensky gets his way and he can generate several hundred thousand new fighting forces to go into that area to supplement and complement the resistance forces that have been going against the Russians you're going to see a second front and it's going to cause the Russians to be put on the horns of a dilemma about the same time that there is an inflection point in logistics. Do you know what he's talking about? <laughs> well, apparently he's writing a paper for the National War College uh, because it, had all, it has all the buzz phrases, the horns of a dilemma. You always want to put somebody in the horns of the dilemma, present them with two, uh, you know, options. Neither one is good. Either one's going to kill them. They don't know what to do. They're paralyzed with fear. Yay. Uh, that's not what's happening right now with the Russians. Uh, an inflection point in logistics. What he's trying to say is that the Russians are going to run out of ammunition. They're not. I mean, Mark Hurtling has been wrong from the start. With all due respect to the former three-star general, uh, he sold his soul to CNN. Uh, this is a man who knows better, who knows better but he wants to continue to receive the pay that he's getting from CNN, which is based upon a per performance uh, you know, rate. And in order to get on CNN, he's got to say CNN type things. And that's what he just did here. This is a CNN quote. It has nothing to do with reality. It's simply a former three-star general who sold his soul to corporate media. That's it. Got rid of Tiger. Thank you very much. We all appreciate what you do. Have a great holiday weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. You too. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.